You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TNA podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. Myself Ritik, the host for the show. I'm joined by my co-host Chris as usual. And in today's episode, our special guest is none other than the amazing and funny Ronan Murphy. So welcome Ronan once again to the show and Chris you too. You're putting a, pre- a lot of pressure on me at the start there like. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's 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 been like a crazy last two months with football restarting then again going on a small pause and it it's all started again and the bundesliga starts this coming week the premier league la liga france have all started their leagues and italy as well if i'm not wrong this week and the bundesliga starts next week which is again going to be really really exciting last season was really exciting this season hopefully again so we'll be previewing the bundesliga first followed by a little bit of transfer talk oh, hope ronan doesn't mind <laughs> no not at all I, i i get plenty of questions about transfers on twitter these days and people people like sending me a dm to ask me about a specific transfer even though you can just send me a message and then, and then every, everyone else would see my answer rather than 12 people dming me the same question yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> coming on to the bundesliga first we'll go with the champions bayern munich so last season was special hansi flick showed that even in the champions league a treble winning season for bayern and you look at the changes that bayern have made to their team this summer leroy sane in the, uh, in, the in the last podcast where you were in you you said you expect leroy sane to move 100% that's happened since then and they bought in tangui kuasi as well and i guess fain comes back after a loan spell at hamburg as well so bayern have done decent business ivan perisic returns back other than that philip coutinho again goes back odrio zolo again as well he's going to go back again after his loan spell but do you think bayern has seriously improved ronan for a, again a strong title push i think they have i, I think they're comfortably better than they were last year i, I know tiago going to liverpool is a big kind of manchester united with mentioned this weekend and there was talk of chelsea once upon a time but i know that, that that's the big kind of doubt at the moment and alaba's contract extension probably will happen you would imagine even though oli honus has come out in public and kind of said that he's like, looking for too much money but I think Bayern will agree a, a contract extension with him because he wants to stay it's just it's just working out the finances even if they do live, live, lose Thiago I think they they're more than capable of replacing him and Goretzka and Kimmich have formed a, a wonderful partnership in midfield and when Thiago was absent anyway so I don't think it's going to be that huge a blow and Leroy Sané is kind of a difference maker player that is going to kind of push them on an extra step further so maybe they can compete in the Champions League and in the latter stages of the Champions League for the next few years to come so I would I would expect them to be to comfortably win the, the Bundesliga this season I don't think we we're going to have the same sort of title race that we had maybe for the first half of last season because Bayern Munich just kind of look unstoppable and even the best teams in Europe weren't able to stop them this year yeah you t- you touch on it there Ronan uh, the general consensus that I've got when I've been reading between the lines when I've been listening to say Karl-Heinz Rummenigge or anyone representing Bayern Munich in regards to Thiago is that they're actually happy for him to leave given the right price do you think they're looking at it now as if to say they've got the best out of this player and he can go on given the fact that they've got a num- number of options in midfield i mean 
just to add, uh, I mean, they've even got the option of, say, putting Kimmich in centre midfield and playing Pavard at right back. Do you think do you think Bayern Munich would be happy to see Thiago leave, given that they've got the best years, given his best years and given his age? Yeah, I think that will be the long-term kind of plan to have Kimmich in midfield with Goretzka or Toulouse or maybe, and that'll be the, the way forward for them. And they're probably looking at a, yeah. a younger midfield as a result. And and Thiago will be 30 soon and he's had injury problems in the last few years and that was kind of one of the big doubts that was being cast over whether Liverpool would sign him and they they probably didn't see him as a, a luxury they needed because Wijnaldum was there but if Wijnaldum goes to Barcelona I think that's going to be kind of the domino effect that will see Thiago go to Liverpool but I think Bayern Munich are they're, they're not happy to lose him but I don't think they'll be kind of broken a broken team because they're losing this player He's not kind of an essential part of the team anymore, even though he, he is a world-class player on his day and he showed in the, the latter stage of the Champions League that he is still kind of one of the best midfielders in the world. But I think looking at his age profile, they're probably just going to take their 30 million and move on and, and maybe look to, to to buy in another another young player too with a kind of a, an outlook of looking at the future like they, they did by bringing in <clears throat> bringing in a the defender from from uh, PSG that you mentioned earlier, Kroasi. He's injured for the first few games of the season, but we probably start to see him after a couple of match rounds, and we start to see these kind of younger guys. Adrian Fain again, who who's come back on loan after being at Hamburg. These young guys will probably get a chance, and Bayern Munich will look to build under Hansi Flick for the future because he's he's known as kind of a coach that does like to integrate these younger players. So I think they're they kind of have a, a medium and a long term plan, and not just short term plan. And, and Thiago would only be a short term fix really at the moment. Yeah, and they've they've been actually linked with Marcelo Brozovic as well from Inter Milan. And do do you think there's any chance that move might happen, if uh, irrespective of what happens with Thiago? I think the only way it would happen is if Thiago left and they use that money then to buy Brozovic. But I think he, perhaps at the moment he's too expensive for him. And you see a lot of the players that Bayern Munich have been linked with over the summer. <clears throat> they were linked with a couple of right backs, Semedo, Barcelona. I think maybe even Max Arns was was there at one stage. To, was talked about but Sergino Dest at Ajax these players all of them kind of proved to be too expensive and that was the reason they didn't decide to to take the chance and and keep Perisic around for another season or sign him on a permanent deal because they they weren't happy with the money that was there so I think Bayern Munich are going to be kind of frugal in the transfer market and they're always pointing to the the problems that have come about because of coronavirus and, and the financial disparities between clubs at the moment and they're not a team that Usually, I know they bought Hernandez for eighty million, but they're not usually a team that goes out and, and kind of breaks the transfer record every summer. Like you see some teams in, in the Premier League that break their, their club record is just there for a year and then broken again and broken again and broken again. Because if you remember, kind of Javi Martinez was was Bayern's record signing for a long time before Talisa came in, and then it, it, they're just one of these teams that are very reluctant to spend a lot of money. So I think if they are going to bring in a midfielder. Maybe Brozovic will be too expensive, and they'll, they'll perhaps look at maybe integrating someone a bit a bit cheaper, a bit younger, or even look at Adrian Fane in their own team already. Yeah, and how 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 have the media in Germany assessed the arrival of Leroy Sané? I'm quite I'm quite intrigued to know one because it's to me it seems like a transfer that seems to slip under the radar a little bit, given the fact that whilst he was at Schalke, he was sort of talk about talked about as maybe being one of Germany's hottest prospects um, and one of Germany's next big thing has it slipped under the radar because he, because of his move because he's come from Manchester City as opposed to say 
making a direct move from, say, a Schalke to Bayern Munich? I don't think that's necessarily the reason. I think him being injured is probably the reason maybe right. that you have, it hasn't been as big a move as it was. And then you had players like Kai Havertz kind of becoming the new German media darling as a, the young German player for the future. And then they were kind yeah. of worried, wondering about what would happen with his future, obviously. And he's moved to Chelsea now, and I expect he'll be a huge success there. But I think that the reason that, that Sané maybe didn't make the, the headlines that he might once have had is because of that injury and he hasn't really done anything for the, the past 12 months. But it still is viewed as a, a big transfer and a, a positive one for German football and, and for the Bundesliga. So I think German media are kind of on board with this as a good move for the league, and especially kind of considering the amount of amount of top talent that's leaving the league this summer, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, talking about Thiago once again, Ronan, I'm I'm definitely more interested in Thiago because of for obvious reasons I support Liverpool, but he's been linked with Manchester United today. Uh, do you think there's any substance to that rumor, or do you think it's just a ploy to get Liverpool to pay 30 million or 35? I I, I would say there is substance to it because Manchester United are always interested in these sort of players. These kind of top talents and regardless of what age they are I know Solskjaer is kind of building a, a younger team at the moment and Van de Beek is kind of on the on the high side of even the age profile they're looking for and he's, he's not even in his mid-twenties yet so, so <clears throat> I know Manchester United like in the, in the past they, they would jump at the chance to sign a player like this so it's no surprise they're being linked at the moment and he is someone that definitely could improve their team so when it, when a player like, like that is available for 30 million you're kind of be You'd kind of be crazy not to look at him, and you, you would wonder why more teams aren't interested as, as well as Liverpool. But it seems that he's told his Bayern teammates that he wants to join Liverpool, so maybe that's why other teams haven't bothered making a bid for him. Yeah, fair. And talking about Bayern's title rivals, probably Dortmund, Mönchengladbach, maybe Leverkusen as well, and Leipzig. But we'll we'll come to Dortmund first. You look at that the summer business they've done. Uh, they've actually lost Ashraf Hakimi who was a major part of their squad last season He's, he was really really good but they've actually bought in the highly rated Jude Bellingham from Birmingham City Emre Chan's move has been made permanent they've bought Thomas Munier as well to fill in Ashraf Hakimi's position I guess and they've also brought in the highly rated Rainier from Real Madrid on loan so do you do, do you think this is probably enough for Lucien Favre to give Bayern a push or do you see Lucien Favre again losing the plot this season and probably getting a sack? I'm not sure he will get the sack. I think it's a good enough team to maybe do something, maybe win the German Cup. I don't think anybody's going to beat Bayern Munich to the title this season, but he's kind of strengthened, he's strengthened as well as he could be. Hakimi seemed to be a Borussia Dortmund's price range too and that was the reason they didn't go for him. He ended up at Inter, but Mounier, he's, he's not the most offensive of a fullback, so he he probably will fill a, a similar role to Hakimi in providing maybe assists and, and plenty of opportunities in attack and leave Borussia Dortmund exposed in defence, which is something we're well used to at the moment. So it, it might just be a kind of a, a transition phase. He obviously won't be as good, but I, I think the, the addition of Bellingham is kind of a, a really intriguing one to see how he does. He, he was obviously a, an outstanding talent in the championship, but it's a kind of a bit of a step up for him. So it'll be interesting to see how he progresses there. But I would kind of predict him to have a good season there and Dortmund kind of know how to develop these young talents. And you've obviously seen it with fellow Englishman Sancho and their biggest move this summer is keeping him ready. And the fact that they, they were able to kind of 
stop Man United from buying them. And I know the Man the Manchester United media are, are getting regular kind of releases from the from the team, and it all comes out at the same time at six o'clock of an evening that all the Man United correspondents seem to have all, the, the same story. What Man United still pushing, and he's their number one priority. But if the, he is their number one priority, why did they sign someone else in the meantime? And, if they really wanted Jen Sancho, they just would have paid up because Bush Dortmund aren't going to take anything less than 120 million. And there's no point in kind of negotiating for it at the moment because they can easily sit, come around next season and, and decide to sell him like sell him next season instead for for the same amount or more. And there could be bidding more when when teams are kind of recovered from this coronavirus. So I think the keeping Jaden Sancho is the most important thing for Bush Dortmund, and that should help them kind of do, hang around with Bayern Munich at the, at the, at the top of the table and maybe kind of go deep into into the Champions League and that will be seen as a successful season for Faber. Yeah, you've touched on Jadon Sancho there, which again, I think at the moment, that's clearly the biggest transfer, both in the British media, I, probably the the Irish media as well, along with the, the German media. Um, I don't know, you'll probably, given the location that you're at, Ronan, you'll probably get on both ends of it. You'll probably be able to assess it from a general. The recent reports are that Manchester United have actually made a breakthrough with the transfer, but is that just the British media maybe b- b- bigging that up and keeping people interested? I mean, what what is what what is this? What what is the, how are the German media currently viewing that transfer? The German media, as far as the German media is concerned, it's over. <clears throat> it's not happening. Yeah, the Dortmund have said they're not selling. They're kind of insistent on this to people in the cl- in the club anyone close to the club it's just not happening it, it, this yeah. move isn't happening and if you kind of read the, the British media reports and kind of read between the lines it's it's something similar the, the, the breakthrough was with the player and the agent which they gave him yeah. as a, an excuse last month saying that this was the, the stumbling block but any of them, those reports still refer to the fact that Man United are prepared to walk away and that they won't pay 120 million well if you're not going to pay the money he's not going to be sold so yeah. There, there, there's no point in kind of looking into it the only way he could be sold is if they're willing to pay the money and I think Bruce Dortmund would kind of maybe go back under August 10th deadline at that stage but if Man United aren't going to pay 120 million as far as the German media is concerned there's no point in talking about it because it's just not going to happen yeah has there been any rumours as opposed to let's say I, I, I'm firmly with yourself I'm, 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 I've I'm a full belief that this transfer has gone now just purely because of the way June teams operate. That once they give a deadline, if it, if it goes beyond that deadline, that's it. So, I've, has there been any rumours though uh, within the media as to if this transfer, I know that is a big if, was to go through, what Bruce Dortmund would then do with that money? Would they look to reinvest it or would it just be a, a, a sort of let's bank that money and then invest it over the next, say, 12 to, tw- uh, tw- 12 to 24 months? Yeah, so <clears throat> I think the only way it can go through is if Sancho decided to put it in Aubameyang, kind of Dembele went on strike, forced to move, put in transfer request. That's the only way it's going to, going to happen. And that's kind of what the media, you know, both sides of the water are kind of speculating at the moment. But if you look at Borussia Dortmund's past transfer history and when they sold players for this kind of money, the two examples I gave there, they don't they just buy one. They, do, they don't just buy one player. They, they might buy six players with the money set. Yeah. So, and they might keep some of it. And, and Bruce Dortmund had <clears throat> they had a loss for the quarter of something like forty nine million or something like that. And yeah. you, you saw the Manchester United fans kind of delighted with this news. Oh, it means they have to sell Sancho. But in the in the kind of subsequent line, even in the, the press conference, <clears throat> the 
the club said that this isn't a huge deal because we've been making a profit and we've made a three-figure million profit, so over 100 million of a profit over the last few few years. So we're kind of prepared for this, so it's not really a huge deal. It's obviously disappointing to lose money, but when your bank account already is is looking well, you're not gonna you're not gonna lose too much sleep over it. So <clears throat> yeah, I think if they did sell them, they'd put some money into kind of repaying that that loss that they have. But yeah. They, they would obviously look at strengthening the team and maybe bringing in more young players like some Bellingham, Haaland, Gio Reina, these sorts of players that they can develop and maybe sell on for a huge profit in, in a few years. And maybe that's the kind of team they are at the moment, just a, a step away from, from challenging for the, the Bundesliga. And they're seen as a selling club because they're just so good at developing players at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and pretty much like Sancho, another big transfer for the summer was Sky Havertz. It was not, uh, I guess it was one of the worst kept secrets that he would actually move to Chelsea. But again, a big transfer, I guess was it 62 million or 72 million at the end. But do you think Chelsea actually got the better deal? I think that that was probably the most money the, the kind of both sides got as well as they could from the deal because Leverkusen probably weren't going to get any more money from this summer because he wanted to leave, but because of the way things are, the teams that maybe he probably would have been his his ideal leave landing spot, none of them were in for, in for him. So Real Madrid or Barcelona, which seemed to be the what his agent and people around him were saying that they were the clubs he liked to, to join, but they don't have any money this summer to kind of spend, not to that extent anyway. And Bayern Munich weren't going to spend it either. They were hoping maybe they could wait till next year and see what happened then. So Chelsea seemed to be the only team that had the money and they have plenty of money this summer, obviously, because the transfer ban actually worked out well for them in the long run. And <clears throat> they were able to get around these FFP and the, their owner is interested in spending money again. So I think Chelsea was the perfect time and the right player for them. And even though they had bought in, brought in a, a lot of other attacking kind of talent in, in the window, they'd be mad to kind of turn down the chance to, to sign this sort of generational talent that he is. So I think he's going to be a fantastic player in the Premier League. And you might you might even see it Monday night when he, when he plays. He, if he gets a start, he could even have a goal or an assist or something like that in his first game, especially maybe if he plays through the middle, which is his preferred kind of position. And you could see Werner pushed out to the, the left. And this could be a kind of new, exciting Chelsea team that... Maybe we'll, we'll win every game 5-2 and it'll be great for the fans to watch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, since, since they've changed their jersey uh, sponsors to three, they've been conceding a lot of goals. They've been conceding <laughs> either three or they've been scoring three goals. So, <laughs> ho- hope to see that more this season as well. But, uh, Ronan, one, one more question for you regarding Leverkusen. They sold... They sold Havertz, but they've also sold Kevin Wallen to Monaco. But the player they bought in is Patrick Schick from Roma. Last season, he was at Leipzig, but this time, I guess, Leverkusen have got him on a permanent deal. But with the with all the Havertz money coming in, do you see them actually going for a few more players? Yeah, I think they've kind of said that they, would, they wouldn't spend it all. And they're right not to spend it all because they're they're not this sort of team. Even though they have they have a a huge kind of pharmaceutical company owner, they don't actually put the money in <clears throat> to the team. Maybe the, the other other big wealthy owners would. So they're not going to spend all this Havertz money. They they might bring in a couple of players. And Sheik is obviously one of them that they brought in, but he he's more of a replacement for Volland. He's he's maybe the man that the, they hope will get will be the man to get them the goals. But they'll still need some assists from somewhere. So. Perhaps they'll 
Delmova Mary or, or Demo Roy into the, that Hogwarts position or you know, the teenager Florian Forts might get a bit of a chance. So maybe they'll look in-house and they might strengthen in other areas. I, I just don't expect them to be as well, as, as well placed in the table this season. I think they, they, they might fall back a bit because they won't be willing to spend that money straight away and the players they will bring in just won't be as good because Havertz, like I said, he's he just is kind of an outstanding player and everyone around the club has obviously talked about how good he is and that he's better even than Balak was at the, at the club. So when you're kind of speaking in them sort of terms, it's you're, you've lost one of the best players in club history. It's, it's impossible to replace for any team. Yeah, you, you mentioned that, uh, Ronan, about... Uh, how good Havertz is and I suppose by Leverkusen and you mentioned Balak as well just again a number of a long list of players that have gone to Leverkusen as a stepping stone and then moved on is there anyone being mentioned coming through the academy at the moment or coming in as the next best thing after Havertz yes sorry and Verstappen I mentioned he he played a few games towards the end of the season and he played kind of through the middle and as a right winger and he even got a goal and he's only 17 at the moment. So he's kind of seen as the next big thing and he scored again in, the, in their cup game at the weekend. I know they're only playing a 14-tier team, but like they, they won 7 or 8 nil or something like that. I'm not, not sure exactly what the what the final score was, but I know they were 3 nil up after 12 minutes. It was one of, the, one of these games. So yeah, it's, <clears throat> he, he is seen as kind of the next thing for them and you would imagine that the scouts of top teams all around Europe will kind of be keeping an eye on how he progresses this season, and especially if they don't sign a Havertz replacement, maybe it'll be him and he'll be the, the, the next great teenager coming out of Leverkusen. Yeah. Also, Ronan, uh, t- uh, t- talking about the other clubs as well into the title race, Mönchengladbach and Leipzig. Mönchengladbach, especially last season under Marco Rosa, was really good. But again, do you think they still, because they, they've not made many signings this season I guess uh, not, not very uh, what do you call it they, they haven't really strengthened their squad as such but they haven't lost any key players either so do you think they're probably again ready to push for a top four and maybe push Bayern Munich as well <clears throat> I, think, I think you can stop asking me is anyone going to push Bayern Munich nobody's going to push Bayern Munich it's just, <laughs> that's, just that, that's just not going to happen Borussia Mönchengladbach should push Leipzig maybe for third they, they might push Dortmund for second nobody, nobody's going to push Bayern Munich but um, like, I think like with Borussia Dortmund keeping Sancho Borussia Mönchengladbach keeping their kind of top talent is the most important thing that the, they were able to keep these players that were linked with moves away Ginter was moved <clears throat> was linked with a move away. Elvedi, uh, Zakaria was two, and then the, the front line, Alassane Playa and, and Marcus Taram, they were able to keep that, those two around. So I think the fact that it's still the same team, it's still the same coach, they have this sort of continuity, they were able to get into the Champions League, they'll just be a better a better team because of that experience. And it, they, they just kind of should hit the ground running this season because they don't have these new players that have come in, so they don't really have to to think too much about to to get used to players because you see even with, with Klopp in the, in the Premier League he always talks about how it takes time for for players to adjust to the way that the team plays. Never mind playing in, in a different league or whatever. So that's why when he bring he brings in a new player, it always takes a while. Fabinho is probably the, the kind of prime example. He's kind of undroppable now, but for a while yeah. there, kind of Liverpool fans were wondering what's this guy all about and you might see Naby Keita maybe come on this season so I think Borussia Mönchengladbach have a similar sort of a similar sort of approach and the fact that 
they already know each other so well. I think it, they're just going to be a, a force in the Bundesliga and they, sh- they should hopefully finish in the top four. Yeah, and uh, Leipzig again, last season, uh, I mean, till January they were on fire, but then they lost the steam. Even the Champions League semi-final was amazing. They run till the semi-finals, but then they kind of... Uh, let them let themselves down i would say in the semi final because they made a few individual mistakes which cost them dearly in that game against psg but again for julian nagelsman this season you said bayern will comfortably win the league so i i, I won't again ask you about uh, leipzig competing <laughs> for the title but shouldn't they actually be targeting a bundesliga title charge once again i mean club, from a club perspective or do you or or I'll put it this way, do you see again Leipzig going pretty far in the Champions League? I think last season kind of surprised even Nagelsmann and the club bosses. I don't think they expected to be top for a while and they don't, didn't expect to be actually in the title race so quickly at top. Maybe they'd expect that Nagelsmann will take a couple of seasons to kind of put his identity and put his stamp on the team. But everything kind of went right for them until Timo Werner decided to, to walk out and leave Chelsea with them still in the Champions League and they were able to kind of progress even without them and that kind of proved the team spirit and, and the, the, the kind of coaching ability that Nagelsmann had and those comparisons drawn between how, how Nagelsmann had the right coaching set up whereas Pep Guardiola overthought things kind of in, in the last eight and you're, you're looking at one of the top coaches in Europe so I think they, they will be looking to maybe have a, another strong season but the loss of Werner obviously is a, is a huge one, and it's hard to replace that amount of goals. And Wang Hee Chan has come in from, from Salzburg, and it's a lot to expect from him. His first league in, in the Bundesliga, he's only 24, and it's a big kind of it's a big burden to place on anyone's shoulders. And, and Sheik, like you said earlier, has gone to, to Leverkusen, so they have to look for replacements for these guys. And it's going to be harder for them to maybe to finish second or or try and to, to look at a Bundesliga run, but maybe that is something that will be in the next few years because they probably are the team, maybe, apart from Russia Dorman, that are in the best position to do anything in this Bayern Munich dominance. And Dai Meccano as well, Ronan, I mean, he's been linked again with a lot of clubs. He's one of the best young centre-backs in the world right now, without any doubt. But there's been some talk of him having some release clause against 60 million, if I'm not wrong which will probably get triggered, uh, which can be triggered uh, from next summer. So, again, do you see Upamecano staying another full season or uh, or, or what, what's the whole take on Upamecano, basically? Yeah, I think clubs are definitely interested, but he's going to cost $60 million, like you're saying. I think the release clause next year, summer is $42 million, and that's the $60 million fee is coming because that's what they think they might be enough to for them to move this summer. But it's, again, it's a lot of money for any team to spend this year when the money isn't there for a lot of teams. So well, that's probably why he signed the extension. And you might have a team of Werner situation where he will leave for the release clause last season or next summer, like like Werner signing a con- new contract last summer, but everyone kind of knew he was just hanging around for another extra year. So that's probably what's going to happen with Open Meccano as well. So you'll, be, you'll probably see him there for another year unless the team does decide to, to pay the 60 million, but it's, it's a lot. And, when you consider actually maybe we wait around a year and we can get next summer for 18 million cheaper it kind of is a thing that that, that businessmen will think yeah, maybe this is the approach to go for and we'll see how we get on in the meantime without yeah and whilst we're on Leipzig Ronan what did you think of Nagelsmann's suit in the semi-final 
Um, I wouldn't have worn it myself now, and uh, I, I might have. And I, I probably wouldn't even recommend it as curtains in my grandmother's house. <laughs> yeah, um, I've I've got to say, um, in this, I was really impressed with Leipzig against Tottenham uh, in a knockout stage. I was even more impressed with them against Atletico Madrid. But I thought they flattered to deceive a little bit against PSG, and I think they got a little, got away with it because of PSG, PSG status. And I know there's a couple of individual mistakes there that's contributed massively to that scoreline. But I thought tactically the game was set from about 10 minutes. And I thought Nagelsmann, he is one of Europe's brightest coaches. We know he's one of Europe's brightest tacticians. Was there any reaction over that in the German media to, to maybe maybe how he got it wrong against Thomas Tuchel? Or was there any kind of negative reaction to the way they yeah, went out? There was a bit of it, all right, but <clears throat> a lot of it was obviously blamed on the errors. But Dubai, he did shoulder some of the blame, obviously. But I think German media and German people in general and the world probably were just kind of surprised that they even got as far as they did, especially especially because Werner had left before these games. They were, this was kind of seen as this was as far as they were going. And when people saw they were against PSG in the, in the semi-final, it was like, yeah, this game the road as good as... Yeah as they are tactically and as good as some of the, the, the players in the squad are, stopping Mbappe and, and Neymar and, and these sort of players, it was just too much for, for any coach or any team, really. And only kind of world-class team with world-class players could stop them. And obviously that was Bayern Munich in the final, but Leipzig weren't really, on paper, they weren't really a match for them. And it was going to take a coach and masterclass and it just didn't happen. Yeah. And we've we've mentioned Leverkusen and Bruce Munchenglad and we I think we're all in agreement that Bayern Munich will probably run away with the title, given that that basically their ability to actually improve the squad with the signings that they've had. Do you see anyone else making the step up to maybe challenge that next group of teams? I think Hoffenheim could be in a good position because they performed well after the after the football resumed. When when they came back, they, they seemed to have a good season. They haven't really had too much of a turnover in in players. It hasn't been the, the squad hasn't kind of been uprooted or anything. They, a couple of play, a couple of fringe players kind of left, but nobody major. And maybe as well as that, you might be looking at hurt could hurt Berlin do something. They were they were kind of pretty rubbish in the cup at, at the weekend, but they have spent a lot of money. They brought in kind of a lot of young good talent so it'd be interesting to see what Labadia can come do after kind of turning things around when he was appointed and they're kind of maybe the dark horse to look at perhaps this season they might miss out on the Champions League but if they could get into Europe and get a bit of money out of that a bit more money and their investor Lars Windhorst is kind of a man who's happy enough to keep pumping in more money to, to make them successful they could be a team to look at in the next few years. Maybe that that will be yeah. one of these that will be one of these teams that can challenge because he's kind of determined to make a team in Berlin a success. Because of all the the, the capital cities in in Europe, that's the one that doesn't really have a top club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And coming on to Schalke, Ronan. I mean, at the end of last season, they had a huge slump. At one point, you would probably have expected them to finish in the top four somehow, or at least a European spot, but they kind of fell apart altogether. And honestly speaking, I thought David Wagner would have probably been sacked, but he didn't. But here's a question from one of our patron, Paul Seiner, who asked, could Schalke's financial issues see them potentially get relegated this season? 
I wouldn't be surprised because they look terrible at the moment. They've lost some of their best players. Just talk that they could even lose. I mean, Harit as well to Italy after Weston McKinney kind of surprised Manny by by leaving Schalke for Juventus. Yeah. So I think I think they are going to struggle this season. And the longer they stay with David Wagner, kind of the worse things could get. Uh, I'm surprised they kept with him, but if it doesn't start off well with him, they're going to have to pull the trigger sooner or later because. Loyalty is one thing, but it, when it turns into stupidity, it's it's kind of a step too far, and they just don't have the money to do anything at the moment. And I, I don't see a lot a lot of players coming through the doors. And the only player they've signed so far is a, a 36 year old forward on a free transfer, and that kind of tells you all you need to know about the, the situation they're in at the moment. So I don't know where the goals are going to come from. I don't know where the kind of positive play is going to come from, and I don't know where the kind of the manage the managerial kind of noose is going to come from. So it's going to be a long season for them. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned you're surprised there at Weston McKenney leaving. Uh, I mean, for me, it was more the surprise of his destination as opposed to him actually leaving Schalke. Uh, are you surprised that he went to Juventus? And do you think yeah. that that's actually the best move for him? No, I am surprised he went to Juventus because he was linked with teams like Southampton, which probably would be a good fit for him because yeah. he he is that kind of hard-working midfielder and he would fit a Ralph Hasselhoff kind of side and he could have stepped in and said Hodgeberg. But um, Juventus seems a, a, surprise, a, a big surprise for me because... Uh, like I said, he is a hard-working player, but he just—he d- just doesn't seem like an outstanding player yet. Probably because he's too versatile and he's played in so many different positions for Schalke that he hasn't had the chance maybe to to make one role his own. And he probably will be this kind of utility there, this Swiss Army knife kind of player for for Juventus that can fit in in different roles. And I know he had a good game in the debut in his friendly debut, but he only played a, a Serie C side, so he probably there's no point in reading too much into that, but. He, he could he could prove to be a huge success for Juventus, but it, it's kind of hard to to see him at the moment being anything more than maybe a similar sort of player to an Emre Can kind of player, or maybe a, a, a Sami Khedira, that sort of a, a yeah. level of player for them. It, it's hard to see him kind of being a, a world class talent there quite yet, and maybe he was the kind of player that would have ended up at Juventus eventually, a club of that stature, but you would have imagined there would have been a stepping stone in between. And we, we just kind of have to see how he adapts to it. But he is a re, he is a, a really hard worker, so he'll do everything in his power to make it, make it a success. And, you know, kind of everyone in America is probably hoping that he can be he can be a, a real talent there. But Perlo likes kind of, he's he played in his own career with kind of these busy, hard-working midfielders. So yeah. maybe he'll kind yeah. of fit that role perfectly, like a two-star role. Maybe maybe that's what that what's here at Mark Firm at Juventus. And, it's just a kind of a matter of when and seeing what he can do. But at the moment, he's kind of a man of many talents and a master of none. So he'll just have to turn into a master or something. And it's just a kind of matter of seeing will, will that happen for him. Yeah. 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 And also, Ronan, talking about clubs like Wolfsburg, Hertha Berlin and Augsburg as well, who's made some cheeky signings. And this is again a Patreon question. Hertha actually looked pretty good uh, at the end of last season, almost at the end of last season. But... Again, uh, this is from our patron Dieter Van Gogt. Do you think Hertha Berlin will get a European place, a Europa League spot at least? Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. I think they might be one of the dark horses to look at. I think bringing in Tussard from <clears throat> from Lyon, he he was signed kind of in January, but left at them unknown for the rest of the season, and then the season was cancelled. So he ended up coming in the summer, kind of before they were back in Champions League action. So he didn't. He was one of these other players who didn't play in the in the Lisbon tournament. I think he will be 
kind of a huge kind of addition to the team. Uh, he perhaps someone like De- him in midfield can usually make a difference for them, and they, they did play well at, towards the end of last season. So they should be looking to build on that, and they, they should be looking at a Europa League place, and then maybe looking towards the future because they've made the signings they've made. They spent a lot of money, and they're not maybe on paper they don't seem to gel together. But it's just we'll have to kind of see what happens with them. Whether all these, it's like football manager off season, and you just think ah, these players are on the market. I'll buy six players, and well, boy, they don't <laughs> yeah. know how to fit their system later. Yeah, they've, yeah. they've, gone, for, they've de- gone for that sort of approach. But the players they have brought in are all great, talented players. And they kind of they could be that they could be seeing themselves hard to Berlin as a stepping stone for them to move on before they go to a bigger team, but. The way Hertha Berlin are spending and their their kind of vision, they want to not just be the seven zone club. They want to be that bigger team. So maybe they can they can be the seven zone players for the seven zone club to make them a bigger team in the long run. So they are a team to keep an eye on in the future because if things don't go right kind of early in the season, they could end up changing coach quickly just because they are looking long term and they're looking to kind of build something. So you're you're kind of looking at them as definitely targeting your open league space and if they don't get it they'll probably end up changing the coach and maybe look to appoint a, a younger kind of project manager and then that it can be a long long term project kind of for everybody involved. Yeah. And also talking about the relegation battle Ronan I mean the the two promoted teams, Stuttgart and Armenia. And Stuttgart have come back finally into the Bundesliga back again, which is a huge boost boost for them. Last season, Werder Bremen, they've also they also were in that relegation playoff, but they won and they stayed. And they were, their best player, arguably, was Milo Rashika, and he's been linked with a move again to England. He's been linked with a move all summer, Leipzig, and now Aston Villa as well. And do you see Werder again going ahead into that relegation battle? I don't. I, I definitely see Rashika leaving before the transfer window is closed and obviously Aston Villa seem to be leading the race at the moment and that could happen this week you would think because Aston Villa are trying to get their, their work done quickly and bringing in Martinez the Arsenal goalkeeper so, so he will be able to start in their first game of the season and next weekend because obviously they had a postponed match because to play Man United I think and they had their Devon City had their their yeah. games called off because of their European exploits so uh, I think Aston Villa would probably make a move for him quickly and you might see that happen in the next couple of days <clears throat> but even without him I don't see Werder Bremen kind of having the same season that they had last season I think that they, they just they have too much on paper have this have, have happened to them they kept faith in their coach even though he had a, a kind of bad end to the season but the, the last couple of weeks they showed that they had enough to kind of come out of the relegation zone and get into that play playoff avoid automatic relegation that should mean a lot for them kind of give them the mentality that they, they are able to fight and they are able to compete at this level and the, the players that are there already and everyone kind of will have that kind of unity so you, you will probably think that they'll move a, a good bit off the table and they'll probably end up comfortably in the table because the players on paper even without Rositza they, they, they still should be good enough to that relegation shouldn't be a worry for them at all. Just, yeah. you, you, just a quick question, Ronan. I mean, I, I'm always interested in this. I mean, do you actually agree with the relegation playoff? Do you, or would you prefer to see three teams go down and three teams come up? I think in, in, theory, in theory, it's a good idea. It, it kind of may, it makes things interesting and it kind of gives 
it gives the team that has come third from bottom a, an extra kind of raw of advice to stay in the top flight. But you've seen in the vast majority of cases, something like only once in the last dozen years or so, the team from the second division has actually been won the game and got promoted. So it, it seems to be just a formality that at the end of the yeah. day, the, 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 the team in the top league just stays in the top league. So they probably will be better changing it for a straight up, straight down kind of approach and, and, and doing away with the playoff altogether. It, it, yeah. it just seems to it just seems to be to be pointless unless it would start changing that it's a bit more of a lottery. But you would the only the only good thing at the moment is the fact that some teams that are kind of have the stature of staying in in the Bundesliga have been able to stay in it because of it. Like, like Bremen, they, their kind of team yeah. interior are too big to go down. And yeah. that that with Stuttgart coming back up, it's, it's good to see a team like that. So maybe you would have yeah. you would have Hamburg coming up again. If not, you, you have these teams like like Leeds in the Premier Premier League. These teams that are, yeah. are too big not to be in the top flight. Yeah, I'm always I'm just always quite intrigued. I suppose, like you said, it gives it gives teams such as Wade Bremen like a second roll of the dice. But then it probably stops teams as well, maybe coming up and establishing establishing themselves. So there's, I mean, there's two sides to be calling it. Uh, Coyne, obviously, but do you ever get like the sense? I mean, you'll probably know a lot, you'll be able to answer this better than what I could. But where teams know they're going to finish third from bottom, so like with two games to go, so they start resting players, for example, ready for the playoff, so that the they, they, the players are fresh for it. Is there ever a situation that that that, that sort of ruins it and sort of <coughs> sort of taints it a little bit? It usually doesn't happen that that it's decided that yeah. long in advance or. Uh, there's usually a kind of battle up until last day about who will make it in but in response to that I think the, the similar scenario to that is the fact that the players in, in the top flight are, are better players they're fitter players yeah. they're better kind of paid players so so really it would be a surprise if the if the second division team yeah. were to win the match because in theory they were only the third best team in the White League so they shouldn't really be a match for any team in the in the Bundesliga except the really rubbish ones and the team that that comes to our bottom shouldn't be really rubbish yeah 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 and coming on to the few coming on to a few patron questions once again Ronan but uh, just, just before we go on to that, those patron questions I'd just like to ask you who do you think might end up relegated this season just a prediction I think Armenia like like you said I, I think it's hard for some of these new teams that go up kind of to, to establish themselves and that's what we're not seeing with the, with the playoff. I think it's going to be hard for them to establish themselves and maybe they might find it difficult. I know that they came top of the second division last season, but they're, they just aren't as good on, on paper. They're not as used to, to playing at this level as Stuttgart are. Maybe. So it might be difficult for them and you probably have to look at Mainz as well. They had They didn't have the best season last season and they haven't really done too much in the transfer market that's really going to excite you. So it could be a hard season for them too. And Augsburg maybe will be the, the next one, even though you said they, they had a few signings that intrigued you. But I think losing the likes of Phillips Max could be difficult for them. And they they are kind of only narrowly avoided the relegation playoff last season anyway. So they yeah. could be another team that will be in the, the running for uh, the bottom three. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough. And coming on to the patron questions again, these are prediction kind of questions again i mean this is from our patron dita van gogh again for for prediction type questions first one who do you think will score the most goals between Haaland and Lewandowski? 
Uh, I think it's Lewandowski. <clears throat> he's Haaland is probably the only player at the moment that will come close to him. Obviously, in the in the race for Golden Boot, I mean, we saw how good he was for both for Salzburg and and Dortmund last season. He just he's just a goal scoring machine, and he, he looked kind of fantastic in in the Bruce Dortmund's preseason too. And he, he's looked fantastic in in, in games for Norway. He kind of he demolished Northern Ireland there a few weeks ago, so yeah. nearly single, single-handedly. So he 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 would he's just kind of a, a different quality of player. But the, the thing about Lewandowski is he's Bayern Munich's kind of only striker. They have Sorcy obviously on the bench and and Jan Fetter, but neither of these guys are kind of going to, to even take minutes off off Lewandowski. Um, perhaps outside of the cup games, you're going to have Lewandowski starting every single league game, and that's going to really stand to him as long as he's fit. He's just going to keep scoring because. Bayern Munich players just give him the, the ball and he'll put it in the net and he, yeah. he's just in that sort of form in, in 2020 and if there was a Ballon d'Or he was going to win it and he'll definitely win the, the FIFA Best Award so it's just it's just disappointing for him that there is no Ballon d'Or and it, the, the excuse that France football gave is rubbish because he's saying, <laughs> saying that oh it's not an even playing field just because League 1 was cancelled and the error like yeah. as, if, as if one of the players in PSG or Ajax was going to win it in the first place anyway yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe if PSG had won the Champions League maybe they, were, they might have decided to uh, oh we, we'll do a U-turn so, just so we can give it to Neymar yeah. or something but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I'll answer the question yeah definitely Lewandowski but I would think a Haaland would be second in the race for the, goal, for the the Thor Jäger cannon, the the, the goal scoring cannon that they have in, in Germany. And yeah. the second the second question being, uh, who who do you think will be the breakout star this season? Last season obviously was an Alfonso Davies special, and this season who do you think will probably be that breakout star? I think maybe Joe Bellingham could be the big kind of star because he's at the right profile of a club and because he's English as well. There'll be a lot of English focus on him like Jay Sancho was two seasons ago. I, I think he could be the kind of one that the media will talk about a lot just because of who he is and the fact he, he will maybe get these opportunities. I brush it on and maybe second him, you, you could look at Makuku, the, the 15-year-old, that they're just waiting for him to turn 16. They're counting down the days till he turns 16 so they can give him his, his bonus league yeah. debut and, and give him a chance. So he's one to keep an eye on because the rules have changed even so he could play in the Bundesliga. So they're obviously expecting big things from him and he even has moved up another couple of grades at international level with Germany. He, he's shown that he can do it at kind of under 19, under 21 level and all this, these sort of levels. So it'll be interesting to see can he cut it with at senior level with the men as well and see how he, how he does there because he could be one of these kind of world-class talents that I, <clears throat> I remember his breakthrough season, kind of like when when the likes of Messi or Ronaldo or players like this come through, the kind of talk about them in, in those sort of contexts and it, it kind of seems absurd to talk about any players in, in that sort of context but if he does live up to the hype he will be one of the best players ever. Yeah, Mokoko especially has a huge, huge uh Profile in youth football because I, I guess was it him who scored nine goals in a game if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he, he scored was ridiculous. It was something like he was scoring something like fifty goals in thirty games or something like that at one stage. So yeah, at, at an age group higher than his own age. So kind of he, yeah. he was playing at, at under seventeen when he was fourteen or fifteen that kind of thing. Yeah, and Dieter's third question is: Who do you think is the best signing of the season from from the transfer that's happened so far? Obviously. I think the, the obvious answer there probably is Leroy Sané. I think he is just going to be a, 
a fantastic addition to, to Bayern Munich and he should make a, a huge difference for him. But I, I do like the look of I <clears throat> I do like the look of Schick at, at Leverkusen just to see what he can do. I know I said they're a weaker team, but I think if they're able to kind of invest in the next couple of seasons that the Havertz money and the Volan money back into the team, maybe in another season or two, they could, they could do something because he was very good for Leipzig last season. It kind of was, he, at times he was just as important as Timo Werner in the team. So it'd be interesting to see how he does at Leverkusen and he will be one to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. definitely. You mentioned, so, sorry, uh, I mean, it's quite an interesting one with Shit because I actually think this is going to be a very good move for him because I think... You mentioned at Leipzig he done very well last season, but sort of didn't get the praise because because of Timo Werner. He actually sort of, he sort of went under the radar a little bit. He was quite underrated. I thought there was big things expected of him when he signed for Roma, and I think I actually think this is a very good move for both Leverkusen and Schick. I actually think you could actually see him come into his own a little bit this season if he's given that little bit more responsibility in a team's. The team's not necessarily built around him, but he he, he he fits into a style of play where he plays an integral an integral part. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think the the players that they have supporting him, the, the likes of Diaby, Bellarabi, Leon Bailey, if he stays, I know he's been linked with Premier League moves, but these sort of players that he has behind him and outside him, kind of giving them the ball, I, I think he he could have a, a fantastic season and he could be maybe heading for twenty goals this season. Could be a huge run for him. I definitely agree. It could be the it, it, it seems the right player and the right fit at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. And another interesting statistic, which I like, I, I was actually doing a data viz a, a couple of days back and it, it was on the short creating actions in the Bundesliga. And I saw that Musa Diaby was way, way up in the chart. So he's, he's really creating a lot of short attempts. And I, I think if, if he provides the same kind of service and if it creates similar situations for Sheik, I, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting partnership there with Diaby, Sheik, and even, even even Leon Bailey as well coming into the mix. So, yeah, it's pretty much a fair and I think a very good pick for a signing of the season as well. And Dieter's final question is on Jaden Sancho again. In case Jaden Sancho leaves Dortmund, who do you think would be an ideal replacement for him for Dortmund? I think they they were kind of linked with Malang Sar and and these sort of players, but there was a, there was even talk as Aha, but he seems far too expensive for for Borussia Dortmund. Even if they were to get 120 million, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't see them turn around and spend the money on Zaha to Crystal Palace. They're looking for him. Yeah. So it, it's kind of it's kind of hard to see who would fit, especially with the kind of way the Borussia Dortmund spend money. They don't usually spend more than 25 million on a player. So what you could see is. Just them, just them progressing with the players they have, and maybe Gio Reyna and Torgan Hazard and Julian Brandt could fit these kind of wing roles, or Marco Rice if he fits could play on the left side of a side of a tree, and Renier on loan from from Real Madrid. They, ha- they do have these players that that could just kind of fill a role, and they, they could just kind of rotate their front tree and see how how things go from there. So perhaps it might be a case of that they won't replace them immediately and just see how things go and. Uh, and look in January or look next summer at, at someone that, that could fill that role and maybe look to the future and buy another teenager or, or give other young players a chance and, and see how that progresses. Yeah, pretty much fair again. And you, you've already ans- answered our other patron Paul Sainer's question on Leipzig, whether they would be able to replicate their last season's form. 
without team awareness as well so that that you already answered that previously in this podcast but moving on now from the bundesliga to general transfer talk and i i just want to bring a name before i i want to ask you a few few of your picks on probable transfers to happen in the next month but a name which probably caught my attention was sorlot who had a spell at crystal palace if i'm not wrong and did not impress so much in the premier league but since moving he's been a really really good player fenerbahce if i'm not fenerbahce transfers for i i'm not sure transfers yeah yeah transfers yeah. is the one yeah in turkey and he's been linked heavily with leipzig and also in the premier league recently with tottenham i don't know what mourinho is planning to do here with solos but do you think he's going to move to germany or do you think spurs might kind of get him Yeah, well, the the, the Trabzonspor president came out and said that they were in negotiations with Leipzig, Tottenham, and Crystal Palace on the future of the player. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. So he's he's owned by Crystal Palace. He's on loan at, at Trabzonspor, who have a six million purchase clause if he plays in a certain amount of games this coming season for them, which obviously he hasn't. So it seems a bit messy that he's for sale. So I think everyone, Crystal Palace and Trabzonspor, are trying to get. the most money each of them can get for this deal because obviously Crystal Palace want more than 6 million if he's got to be sent for sold for 25 <laughs> and Trabzonspor yeah. want some some money basically because yeah. they should be able to make an, a 19 million profit on him essentially so they both kind of want some money so they have to come to some sort of agreement depending on who who is interested who ends up making the, the bid for him but but Mourinho he didn't deny that they were in for him he was asked in his press conference after the the loss to Everton he, he was asked about him and he said well if If that's what's being said, I'm not going to deny it. Is essentially what he said. So it'll, <laughs> yeah. it'll be interesting to see who kind of makes the move from there. But Leipzig, I suppose he he would fit a role, and they they are looking to replace they are looking to replace Schick and, and Werner and Brian Chan. But they still have they still have kind of space to to fill in. So. it kind of is up in the air does he does he want to be a starter at Leipzig or does he want to be in the Premier League probably himself in the Premier League where he probably won't be a starter at Tottenham so it's kind of yeah. up to the player really yeah. I, I, it I, could be very messy there's only one destination there though isn't it if, you, if you're a young player looking to actually make something of yourself you can go to Tottenham and you can play Sheffield's Harry Kane and, and play basically in similar circumstances to what he did with Crystal Palace under Roy Hodgson as basically play in a defensive team or you can go to Germany and play in a club that is renowned for producing and improving players and under a manager that is well like I said before very sort of innovative I mean he's got to be going to, he's, surely he's got to be going to Leipzig if he had the choice you would think so and you would think it wouldn't be as big maybe a step up as as going from Turkey back to the Premier League where he maybe didn't go to the the first time and wasn't given the chance to you would think he would be able to to prove himself a bit quicker in the Bundesliga than he would as second fiddle as someone who was only getting minutes here and there for for Tottenham it would be hard to kind of to prove yourself as the the quality you believe yourself to be so you would imagine he would want to go to to Leipzig but obviously the money that would be on offer and the prestige of playing in the Premier League and Maybe playing in Tottenham Stadium could could be kind of too much for him. So it, yeah, it's just kind of a matter of waiting and seeing what he he wants himself and and how the the deal develops because uh, it, there could be kind of huge problems between Palace and Trabzonspor over this because who knows what's going to happen because Trabzonspor kind of need the money so they're it, it seems unlikely that they would think 
oh yeah, we, we'll keep him around for a few months to play him in this amount of games. So we're forced to get this, to pay the six million if they don't even have six million in the first place to yeah. sell. So it, it could yeah. be very tricky. So this transfer is similar to sort of, say, Luka Jovic, while he was at Frankfurt. From, he was, at, was he on loan from Benfica? And then, yeah. But yeah, so it's a similar situation to that. Um, I just want to I want I just want to build upon our patrons' question there about Leipzig Rona, if that's okay. Um, given given like the situation that they're in now without Timo Werner, is there a chance that the season could go pear shaped without him? Is that the is is are they struggling to replace him, or is it sort of look are they looking at this in, a, in an optimistic way? I wouldn't think so because I, I don't think they expected him to get over 20 goals last season I don't think they expected the kind of the season that he had and they probably didn't expect it themselves so I think if they fell back to 4th or 5th or even 6th yeah. or 7th as long as they get it to Europe I, I think it will be seen as half decent season and they can just pinpoint well sure how are we meant to replace all his goals kind of and Wang Chan obviously should be able to get some of the goals that he was able to yeah. get so, so I, I wouldn't say that they're going to have a dreadful season It'll, they'll find it a lot more difficult but they still should be all right because, like we yeah. said, they have a coach who knows what he's doing. And looking at the job he did at half nine before, and they didn't have kind of world class talent, but he got the best out of every each and every one of them. So he was able to do do that even half as good as Leipzig. They still should be in Europe again. Yeah, yeah. And Ronan, a few a few of your picks on who do you think probably might you know attract a lot of interest in the next one month or so because. The transfer window, as usual, is very crazy. So, probably I'll ask you three names which you think might happen, apart from the usual Thiago's and David Alaba's. Yeah, I was only going to go for the obvious ones because it's kind of tricky to see who will move because a lot of the German business kind of gets done before the season because they don't like chopping and changing after their players have kind of settled in. It, it isn't kind of German way. It's, it's not their approach. They don't usually like to having this this long transfer window and being open after matches and waiting around for players. And so you you probably see Javi Martinez leaving Bayern Munich and Athletic Club in in Bilbao seem to be the the prime destination for them. But he he might be expensive. So they, what they could do is get some sort of deal going with Bayern Munich and you could see him moving for 68 million or something like that but I think they were looking for 10 or more for him so I, I think because the player wants to move Bayern are happy with kind of what he did he he was kind of he was the war, he was the record sign at one stage when, when he did come in but he's kind of done everything and he's, he'll be rewarded by being allowed to leave to go to the club that's kind of in his heart so I would expect that move to happen I don't see Alaba leaving Thiago I do see it probably will be Liverpool depending on what happens with Nalden but I'd say that's a, kind of just a matter of waiting around to see what happen. Sancho is obviously the big one I don't see that happening either <clears throat> so apart from that there doesn't seem to be kind of too many huge names that are being linked with even moves England or anything the, the big names have all moved the, the team of Werner the, the Kai Havertz the, these guys have, have already gone so unless kind of something surprising happens in the next few weeks It'll be a shock, but you're going to see Marcel Tisseron go to, to Turkey to join Fenerbahce. That's the kind of level of transfer you're looking at the moment. And I don't think anyone out of outside of Fenerbahce fan club probably cares too much about that about that one. So I'd be surprised if you did see any big names moving in the next few weeks from Germany. I think the league has been already kind of, it's already been pilfered of some of its best talent. Even Luka Falschmidt has, has gone to Portugal and that just seems crazy to me. So it's just, 
it's just a, a matter of kind of being surprised at this stage and seeing what happens with Thiago, really. Yeah. I, other than Germany, do, do you see any other big moves happening this summer? I wouldn't necessarily say so. Obviously, there would be big moves if Sancho happened and Borussia Dortmund had money to spend then, but... The, most of the teams have spent the kind of money that they're going to, to they're looking at the teams that they've kicked off their cup campaigns they'll be kicking off their league campaign next weekend so there shouldn't be too many more kind of big transfers or our names coming in you might see a few loan deals or whatnot moving on but it's you don't kind of see these transfer deadline days the same as in England happen it's kind of very slow in in Germany the, the teams don't like to make these 11 hour bids and there won't be a Someone trying to fix the fax machine at, at half eleven or <laughs> on, on transfer deadline night. Any, any, this, this kind of stuff happening. So, yeah, it, it, I wouldn't expect too much to go on in the next few weeks. But if Thiago sold, Bayern Munich maybe will look at bringing in a midfielder. They've obviously been talking about bringing in a, a right back for a good while. Audrey's all I didn't really work out. Dest proves prove probably proved too expensive. So maybe they'll look at getting in a young back up for, for, for Pavard that they can develop. So you, And you, you might also see them maybe bringing in a, another winger now that Perisic is gone. So yeah, I'd say Bayern Munich are probably the, the team most likely to do anything, but that depends on what happens with Thiago and how soon they can get the money and then turn that around into to maybe spending or what you could see is happening is last season when they were running out of time and they missed out on Sané that they, they decided, actually we'll do late lawn moves for Perisic and, and Coutinho that worked out very well for them but didn't turn into permanent deals so you might see another couple of maybe loans at the last minute to, to take wages off someone else's books but players that could provide good depth options for Bayern Yeah, fair enough and do you see Uli Hoynes actually come out and probably put out a Alaba-esque kind of remark on Thiago? Um, I, I think I wouldn't think so I, I think Hoynes because he's separated from the club, he's not involved in the day-to-day anymore. He just kind of says what he likes, and it probably suits him perfectly at the moment. But yeah. I think, I think <laughs> Thiago, he's everyone at the club seems to know that he's gone, and they're thankful for what he does, what he has done. And there's no kind of issues there. Whereas Alaba, they want to keep him, and they're just kind of annoyed that they're going to that he wants to be the team's highest-paid player, even higher than Lewandowski. So I think that's kind of what's annoying him at the moment. That, that would especially annoy someone like Uli Honas, who was known for, for not giving his money away and not even to the tax man. So, yeah, uh, you, 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 can, you, you can see what's winding them up there. Yeah. yeah. And just before ending the podcast, Ronan, I just want to touch upon Ireland as well. The last time we spoke, we were talking about the golden generation and stuff, but the last two results, the Nations League, again, match day one, match day two, they drew against Bulgaria. And then they lost one 0 against Finland. So what what what's up with Ireland there? Yeah. So when when you go looking for gold, when you go panning for gold, you don't find it on your first day down at the river. It, it takes a while. So so I think that's what happened. Ireland's gone generation one. I think <clears throat> Stephen Kenny is trying to obviously change the mindset and change the mentality and change the approach of Ireland. And you, you saw that in in those two games, Ireland dominated possession and they had more chances than than the two opponents. They just weren't able to turn it into goals. And goal scoring has been a, a problem for years now for Ireland. And, manager after manager keeps saying well we don't have Robbie Keane anymore we don't have Robbie Keane but it's just a matter of kind of turning that possession that Kenny is trying to keep into more chances and Ireland did have enough chances maybe to do something against Finland and, and were deserving of a draw against Bulgaria at least and maybe probably would have been deserving of a draw or more against Finland it just 
the goals just didn't happen on the day. So <clears throat> I think it's a process and Ireland have Slovakia in their next game. It's the, the Euros playoff. If they lose that, I think it, some of the public support that may have been there for Kenny initially, people are already saying, well, he's, what, what level has he ever managed? He's only a League of Ireland manager. He's never kind of managed in the Premier League like Mick McCarthy or Martin O'Neill or the previous Ireland managers. But it, it could, public kind of could turn him against him if he loses Slovakia, to Slovakia in the playoff. But that was never his qualifying campaign anyway. It was Mick McCarthy missed out on qualification and we only ended yeah. up in the playoff because um, by default because we were 18th in the, in the Nations League and 16 teams ahead of us or something along the lines of that already qualified for the Euros. So we're kind of in the playoff by, the, but by default. And if, if Mick McCarthy had lost every single game 10-0, we still would have been in the playoffs. So yeah, it, it, it's not it's not really it's not really Kenny's responsibility. He's trying to change things, and the the route that we've been using, the kind of direct approach, to put them under pressure, work hard, the big physical side, it hasn't really worked in recent years. There's no point in trying to to persist with it. Obviously, we haven't been in tournaments. We weren't in the World Cup. We're we're kind of knocking on the door this euro but barely knocking on it so yeah. i think it's just a it's just a matter of giving kenny time seeing how he approaches because even mick mccarthy's kind of ireland team that were one of the best ireland teams ever it took him something like six or seven games to get his first win and he had he when he was trying to bring in the likes of robbie Keane and damien duff they were two of ireland's best ever players and two of ireland's best ever players in the premier league like yeah damien damien duff's a premier league winner even and and Robbie Keane's one of the best international goal scorers of all time. So, I, yeah. Kenny is trying something similar. He's bringing in Malumbi in midfield. He's giving more games to Connolly, bringing in Adam Ede up front. So it's going to take time for these players to, to kind of gel and get used to, to playing at international level. Because Kevin Doyle was saying recently that ex-Wolves and Reading striker was saying yeah. recently that for the, his first half dozen games or so, he didn't really know what he was doing. He tried to play terrible. He was just fortunate that he scored a couple of goals. and That kind of ease the pressure and ease the limelight on him a bit and he's saying it's just a big step up so to expect someone to, like Adam Eda to, to maybe score in his first game or his second game is kind of untold for, for most international players because he's only played maybe a handful of games at, at club level and he's played in the, he's down in the championship now so maybe he'll get more games playing for Norwich and he scored a winner for them coming off the bench so he, he should get more chances and it's just hoping that Ireland's players are get feet over the next month, so the games in October will be be kind of more positive because it was evident that these players hadn't played in a while because they kind of looked dead on their feet after seventy minutes in both games and and they were competitive games, so there was only three substitutions. It wasn't like there were friendlies that you could decide to change everybody. So by the end of the matches, everyone kind of looked dead out there. And even aside from the physical thing, when you haven't played matches kind of on a regular basis you're not mentally yeah. fully there either. So by the time maybe Slovakia comes around, we'll have a bit more chance of being able to do something. And, and Kenny's approach maybe will kind of yield goals or yield a bit of success and we won't just have to pray and hope for a, an 85th minute Shane Duffy header. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I'd be absolutely ludicrous if he was to come under pressure, even given the result against Slovakia, even if the, the, the Slovakia, Slovakia result went went badly. I mean, it's just it's just too early really to put any kind of pressure on him just give I mean even the international fo- football has obviously suffered as a result of the pandemic just as much if not more really than the domestic game but I mean sh- I mean I've, I've watched a couple of our, uh, not the whole of uh, Ireland's game against Finland but I was quite impressed really with the way 
uh, the way you've built up the way they were building up play. I mean, it was not it was nothing that I'd never really seen from an Irish team before. I mean, when you look at the managers, that's really a given, given the way that they played. But I actually think he's done a really good job, given given the circumstances. He's actually he's got them playing a certain way. Yeah, he has. And even though he only had two training sessions before the, the first game and then a match and a, and a third training session in total before the second game, that's all he had so far with this team. And you can actually see that they're a different team already. It just, yeah. It's just a matter of this being a building block, being able to keep the ball and pass it around and... Maybe it's a matter of finding which players are best for him in midfield and seeing can James McCarthy play that, that six role and that, that, that defensive midfielder role that Stephen Kenny hopes he can because yeah we, we need sort of maybe him to keep t- things taking over because he, he tried a different midfield in the second game and Harry Arthur was playing that role. but He's a much busier player, but he, he just maybe doesn't progress the ball as well. So hopefully... Yeah. Maybe once McCarthy gets a few games for Crystal Palace, because he definitely looked unfit. Yeah, he, he's obviously had injury problems that he had yeah. played for Ireland since 2017 because of various injury problems, and then Mick McCarthy probably didn't want to risk him and different things like that. So if he's able to maybe come on and and prove what he should be able to do, because he's a, he's been a, a very good Premier League player for years, and different managers and different teams in the Premier League. Have, obviously respected him enough and he should be able to do the role that Kenny wants so if, if he can and if he can get a few games for Crystal Palace and maybe get a few 90 minutes under his belt he, he was taken off there into the, the first game of the season I'm not sure whether that was fitness or what but <clears throat> if he if he's able to start and, and finish matches before the next Ireland game comes out I think we might see Ireland look similar to what those two matches kind of showed but maybe yeah. able to, to do something a bit more and bring it on to the next level from it yeah yeah, and if uh, we can just ask, if I could just ask one more question, Ronan, just before we, we wrap the podcast up, quite intrigued to know your your opinion on what the German national team at the moment. Um, and I, I know they played played Spain <laughs> in the last resort. I mean, that's not, they've not yet won a UEFA Nations League match, and given the way they exited the last main tournament, I mean, is this just a matter of Yogi Love being in the job because no one else? is in a suitable position to replace him or is this actually getting seen by German media as a, a transition period and we're, we're Germany so we'll come up trumps in the next tournament I think it's all of the above I think there isn't anyone at the moment that, that would replace him they're probably looking and hoping that Klopp when he's, his Liverpool contract winds down that yeah. maybe he'll be the man to step in or even Thomas Tuchel at, at PSG if they were to lose faith in him that he could become available and want to manage it but they'll, they'll definitely be looking for a German coach next and maybe Andy Flick has, has obviously proven enough at Bayern Munich that he's he's could be the man for Germany in the future because things seem to turn kind of around for them in a negative way once he was gone from being Yogi Love's assistant so yeah I think there's just kind of a loyalty to Love at the moment there isn't anyone better but at the same time, they are they do see him as trying to bring through these younger players to to move on from the likes of Thomas Muller and and Boateng and Hummels. Even though maybe maybe Thomas Muller should be even starting for Germany, he just played that way for Bayern Munich last season. But it's yeah. a different debate, I suppose. But yeah, I think they they do see this as a team in transition, and they're hoping that that things can work out. That De Werner, Nabri, Sane, Havertz front line, all kind of young young forwards can can work and maybe Tony Cross and Manuel Neuer would be the only players over 30 in the team yeah. and everyone else kind of in their 20s so they do see it as building for the future and 
maybe making a run at Euro 2021, but probably looking to the World Cup kind of as their goal really at the moment. Yeah. Do you think they've been caught between styles in a sense that they've gone, he, he, he sort of preferred the possession based style at the 2014 World Cup, given the plays that he has available, as where now the players sort of Sane, Werner, Gnabry, a sort of fast counter-attacking players and not sort of like to, I hate the phrase tiki-taka style of play, keep possession. They like to get on the ball and they like to be on the front foot a little bit more and get in behind as opposed to keeping possession. No, I think you're exactly right. I, I think that's it. He, he kind of had a style that he was going with and it worked so, so successfully. Then it didn't work at all at the at the World Cup because he has you know, these, kind of, these kind of different players that didn't really suit it. And yeah. he's, kind of, he's trying to kind of catch up with the players he has rather than, than to, to fit them into his system. He's trying to develop a system that maybe will suit him and that's why he's going with the 3-4-3 that hasn't really worked for England either at the moment. So yeah. They're hoping that this approach can work and they can use this kind of front three as well as maybe attacking players in, in the middle as well to support them and have an extra, defend, an extra defender in the, in the three-man back line to to maybe allow one of them midfielders to push on Havertz, obviously for Germany, but you, yeah. you might have you might have Grealish instead of Southgate playing his his two sixes yeah. in, that, he, that he did there recently. But <laughs> yeah, you might yeah. you might have you might have this kind of three four three with a diamond midfield. You might kind of see approach Germany and, and England could end up taking, and perhaps it will work well for them because they're similar sort of teams at the moment. That they, they I know Kane is a different sort of player than Werner up front, but they have these sort of pacey wingers and that's where their strength yeah. is in, in the likes of Sterling or Nabry or, or, or Sané or Sancho these, these sort of players are kind of similar in, in those aspects so I think it, it's just a matter of honing the, the players that you have at the moment and, and kind of hoping that they can, they can gel by the time that the major tournaments come come around and maybe the Nations League is just it's just a way to see to, to kind of imprint that on the players and, and see which players best suit the the formation yeah. approach you're going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree with you. With you there, hundred percent again. Probably. Uh, I mean, you can't probably find a better preparation for the Euros. I guess. Uh, uh, I mean, considering the situation that we are in right now with the pandemic. So yeah, it, it's probably time to experiment and then kind of find the solution or kind of find the method to go and probably try for the Euros. So yeah. I agree with you there again. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much once again, Ronan, for coming on to our show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, lads. Cheers. Yeah. It's been a pleasure yeah. talking to you. Same, Thanks same. Very much. Yeah. yeah. Been a pleasure. So, and and all the best for the Bundesliga season and <laughs> also all the DMs that you'll get this this yeah. coming season as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, pro- I, I promise I'll only be responsible for say half of them. <laughs> <laughs> You'll definitely be busy if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thank you again to all our listeners as well for joining in this episode. Until next episode, bye bye.